I'm Em. And I'm Jamie. And this week, we're here to help you in terms of sweets. And, and other things. But, yeah. yeah. You know, Halloween was... Well, for us, it was two <laughs> days ago. It's November 2nd, so um, we don't know if the world or if the country has fallen apart yet. Um, but for now, we're just hoping we're still somehow hanging in there. Yeah. Because you're listening to it now. It's a. It's going to be a very different time when this is posted than... When we're recording. Yeah, I feel like we'll both have grayed a little bit. We'll yeah. be more tired, but hey, the podcast continues. Yeah, so let's talk about some food. We've got a, we've got quite a few questions for the hotline this week, uh, starting with one from an anonymous uh, person. <laughs> <laughs> an anonymous submission. An, that's the word. I... <laughs> I'm sorry, listener. It's a Monday. I My brain is not here. So we're just going to go. Anyways, this person asked, what are some tasty cinnamon snacks that aren't just bread with cinnamon and sugar? And um, this was a little tricky for me just because I don't normally eat things with cinnamon in them. Yeah, myself included. Um, you know, usually we just stick with typical snickerdoodles because... Um, I don't know. Just yeah. this isn't something we really grew up with. Besides yeah. cinnamon buns and yeah, cinnamon buns and cinnamon raisin bread and just bread. generally things yeah, just, with bread. Just just <laughs> baked goods, you know. But like we aren't really gonna go out of our way to like add cinnamon to our food. Yeah. Um. But you know, we do some we do some research and we looked into some things. Um. But uh, there there are plenty of really really great options. Also um, some weird ones, but. Yeah. But you can be the judge of that. <laughs> you know, we, we think weird is fun, as long as you're not, you know, culturally appropriating or anything. Or making yourself sick. Yeah. Okay, so first off, we have... Uh, Why don't very... I start with this one? Because I put this in, and you are giving me this look of, like, really? No, I, I'm not giving you a look. Oh, I'm okay. literally just... <laughs> you're literally just I'm being... just so tired. <laughs> I'm just vibing, man. Okay, okay. Alright, you just continue then. I thought you were just were gonna have a problem with what I put down. No. Well, okay, what M put down was honey, cinnamon, and apples, which is a banging combination. However, underneath it... You said cook it with pork loin. Ooh la la. <laughs> um, yeah. Apple and pork is a great, great flavor combination. They just go really, really well together. Um, it wasn't until um, earlier today, because I, I put these notes in last night, and I looked at it earlier today, and I was like, oh, snacks. Not meals. Snacks. <laughs> so, I guess go ahead and make yourself an apple, cinnamon, honey, pork loin. Yeah. For a snack. Oh, just thin slices <laughs> as, a good, as a good munchie when you're um, in a Zoom class. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Cross-cut oranges and honey? Yeah, so this one... With cinnamon? With cinnamon. Really? Yeah. Oh, did I really just say... <laughs> I was <laughs> I like... even add the cinnamon. I was just like, okay. I mean, that sounds like a candle waiting to happen more than a food. Well, okay, here's <laughs> the thing. Um, I like to read webcomics, and there's a really cute one, and um, it's a really wholesome one. It's called Space Boy, and... Uh-huh. Um, Wait, is it on webtoons? It is on webtoons. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. Um, but one of the things that they talk about is, like, oranges and cinnamon. And you literally just peel an orange, and then instead of, like, cutting it along where the segments are, you cut it 
across. Okay. Like, lati- latitudinally. Okay. And then you get, like, these nice wheels of oranges, and then you just sprinkle some, some cinnamon on there, and some a little bit of honey if you want it to be a little sweeter, and it's a, it's a it's supposed to be a tasty combination of just, like, warm cinnamon and sweet and citrusy orange. Wow. Emma's giving me a really weird really look right <laughs> I'm now. I'm just perplexed, because you know, this sounds like, you know, like... Christmas pudding, like fruit pudding, but it's just fruit. Fruit, it's just fruit. So you know to what? me, it just the 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 taste profile is going way over my head. But here's the thing: Do you like what? it? Have you eaten it? I haven't. Tr- I want. I'll try it tonight. But <laughs> here's the thing: WebMD has the recipe for it. <laughs> no. So if WebMD recommends it, it's obviously good for you. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Try it. Tell me how it goes. Um, but okay. So this next thing you've put snickerdoodles with orange zest added? Question mark. I mean, b- cookies are. I I was just brainstorming, you know. Yeah. Like, like that. That just sounds kind of bougie. Orange zest. Damn. Just like by name. I know it's actually not, but like still. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just get a little bit of that orange peel, you know? If you don't have a microplane or a grater, you just cut the peel off with the knife and then just cut it into small little bits. That's true. And I think it would add, like, a nice citrusy note to it that's not quite lemon. Um, I mean, you don't add lemon to snickerdoodles. <laughs> I was but gonna like, say, like, that's weird. <laughs> but you know what is good? Like, lemon zest and sugar cookies. So I was like, ooh, but what if you sub in orange zest for lemon zest? And I was like, oh, but how do you add in that that cinnamon element, and snickerdoodles. I feel like that would be, like, a fun little thing to try out. Listener, make some make some snickerdoodles and add, like, a teaspoon of orange zest to your cookies. And let or us more. Know, or more, you know. But, like, on the conservative side, add, like, a teaspoon only. And uh, let us know what it tastes like. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe, yeah, maybe we should come to these segments with something else. Like, hey, here's a weird cooking thing we did. Maybe we'll do that. Oh, I don't want to talk about the weird cooking things I've done in the past week. I mean, dear audience, I will say that today, instead of doing my homework, I made lasagna. And you know what I forgot? I forgot that I didn't even have freaking cheese in my fucking fridge. Okay? So you know what? I had, like, the barest bits of Parmesan in a bag from a few weeks ago when I made some pasta or other. It was, like, at least three weeks now. And it's, one, it's not bad, but... Yeah, your lasagna is not the same if you don't have cheese. So, honestly, I don't mind admitting to weird food things. We're getting off track. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Um. Oh yeah. This this next one's all you. Yeah. I was again looking for some nice like cinnamony <laughs> snacks, and something that popped up was um, Emma's laughing her ass off, and I don't appreciate it, but it's honey cinnamon chickpeas, which I think sounds delicious first of all basically you take a can of chickpeas you drain them you pat them dry with a paper towel and then you roast those bad boys on like a baking sheet until you know you get all of that moisture out and you start to make them crispy or crispier you know and then you toss it with a little bit of oil and some honey some cinnamon some nutmeg a couple other spices and then to crisp them up a little bit you throw them back in the oven for like 10 minutes and then, like, 
what you should get are just these little nuggets of like chickpeas, but they're sweet. They're a little spicy, not spicy, but like, you know, spiced, spiced. Yes. This is, this is why you're, you're better with words and I'm just here. That's why we're the perfect duo. (laughs) If you say so. Um, for now. (laughs) Yeah. But it's sweet, it's salty. I'm someone who just loves chickpeas, so I think it sounds delicious. And it's def- it's a good, like, gluten-free, um, arguably vegan, depending on if you eat honey, um, vegetarian, dairy-free way to get some cinnamon and sugar in your life. My only thing is, I think because I don't actually like cinnamon that much, that this to me just sounds kind of weird, because I can only- because I can usually only tolerate cinnamon with sugar- but if you think it's good, you try and you let me know. You know what? I will try it. I will make it this week. Okay. Um, Lots of things you're making this week. Uh, yeah, I don't want to think about it. But yeah, uh, a recipe will be posted down in the episode description. Moving on. What do we have, Em? Basically, to just sum this up, throw cinnamon into your drinks. Throw them in your coffee. Throw them in your tea. Throw some mix of cinnamon and sugar over some popcorn. Unseasoned popcorn. Maybe it's delicious. Maybe it's not. Put it in your oatmeal. Put it in your granola. Your oats. Your quinoa. I think just cinnamon and those things are typically pretty good in my experience. So I don't think you can really go wrong with baking it or just eating it together. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about mixing honey and cinnamon and just popcorn. And that just, that sounds really good. Yeah. It's like holiday popcorn waiting to happen. Big yummers. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've yeah, tried it. I hope that was helpful. What are some other cinnamon things that you like to, to do? Let us know. Please. We want pictures too, if you've made them before as yeah. well. Okay, next question. This is one submitted by my brother, actually. Huh? Really? <laughs> yeah. We were, we were playing some video games and I was talking to him about the podcast and he goes, I need you to tell me what is the one way to make fried rice. Not just like not what is like one way but like what is the way. one way you know because uh he's living with our grandma at the moment oh. and earlier that week he had made fried rice with her <laughs> and um he like had added the egg first into the wok before he added the rice and she was like the fuck are you doing <laughs> um and so now he wants to know who's right okay as someone who has lived with her off and on throughout this past summer and did make fried rice for her she basically eviscerated me in like the nicest way possible about my fried rice so this is actually knowing that context this is actually a very good question yeah and i don't even know yeah the funniest part though not to not to put my grandma on blast but apparently she like she kept on telling my brother like oh you gotta fry it longer you gotta fry it longer and then when they ate it she was like why is it so dry yeah, she said my fried rice was too wet. And I was like, damn, okay. Yeah, one of these days we'll, these we'll days. appease her. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Our family issues aside. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I'll go over what I think is the one way, and then if you want to interject, yes, go ahead. Okay, first off, most important thing, use leftover cooked rice. Oh, yes. Don't use fresh cooked rice. That, that shit's just too... Too moist. fresh, too moist, too sticky. You need something that's a little dried out. 
um, it just it'll it'll make your fried rice better. You're you're gonna be introducing sources of moisture into oh, moisture <laughs> sources of moisture into your fried rice anyway. So like, don't worry about your rice being too hard unless you're cooking the bejesus out of it. Um, okay, so here's what you do. Um, first off, if you have any kind of like raw veggies that you want to add or any any sort of like meat things that you that are raw. Yeah, accompaniments. If it's, like, raw and you want to fry it up first, go ahead and do that in your wok or large saute pan and whatnot. Fry that up, heat it up until it's, like, mostly cooked through, and then set it aside. And then, I think Emma's going to disagree with me here, but then you take your eggs, you beat them up. I like to add a little bit of fish sauce to them, and then I like to add a splash of water because it makes Mm -hmm. them fluffier. I agree. That I agree with. And then I have the pan on medium, and I put the egg in first. Oh, I put the rice in first. Okay, well, you get to you get to say. Okay, you I'll know let what? you continue. Inter- I'll get to. I'll let Actually, you continue. Just interject whenever. Okay, okay. Okay. But I put in the egg first. Okay, and then I at least get it so that the bottom part is cooked, but the upper part is still runny. And then afterwards, I'll add in my rice, and then you use a wooden spatula, and then your rice, if it's old, it's gonna be dry. It's gonna be chunky. You're gonna use your spatula and you're gonna break up those big chunks of rice until you they're basically like individual grains of rice and you're gonna mix it in with the egg you're gonna break up the egg you're gonna mix it in with that rice this is better (laughs) than putting rice than egg because your egg it's just gonna get all like gloopy it's not gonna work out it's just it's better to fry your egg first you might be afraid that it's gonna be too separated from your rice it's not it'll mix in if you do it right okay to put the rice in first, because it is so dry and probably in a hard husk, you would put it in first to get it warmed up so that when you put the egg in, it's one, going to be coated in all the rice and be mixed so you don't need to work one as hard. But two, that um, it won't be like as, like I in my experience, like breaking up the rice, I just sometimes spend egg splashing places or, like, I'm too slow, and then the egg, like, cooks too much, and then it's not, like, small pieces like you would want it to when you eat it. So, for me, it's a thing of speed and just ease. I have two words for you. What? Low heat. I, I have it on medium and low. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I've never on, on hot. It's I, just, I'm slow. Okay. I'm just legitimately... All right. My fridge, in my defense, it's freaking cold. Okay? It's got weird extra cold patches and it seems like every time I have extra rice it is always just brick and so I put the rice in first so that it's just easier on me but then like your rice gets even more dried out like no it's also, not because of the egg your, also you can just let your rice sit out you I have, have to... it's still cold like it's so cold but it's not like I literally <laughs> I literally made fried rice like three days ago I did the egg first. I added in the rice. Guess what? It was fucking delicious. I don't okay? doubt it's delicious. I'm just saying. And that rice... Actually, I don't know why I should say this. That rice was like a week old. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. As long as you fr- probably refrigerated it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, even we can't even yeah. come to a decision. So, dear but... viewer... Or not viewer. Dear listener, just try your hand at either... Yeah, 
Anyways, <laughs> on from the rice first or egg first, I say egg first, cook it at least the bottom through, add in your rice, break it up. If you're careful, you'll be fine. Everything will be broken up and mixed together well. Add in your seasonings. I like to do a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of oyster flavor sauce, and then if I'm feeling a little funky, I'll add a little bit of ketchup to it. Um, and then I'll add in my other accompaniments. Recently, I did mushrooms and edamame which was big tasty. Oh, and some leftover ground beef. Mm, love that. I'm not going to talk about how I got that beef, but um oh, oh, why just 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 okay, okay, just look up my Twitter, you'll see. Um we'll do the Twitter plugs yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, turn up that heat. Get everything going. Get that wok hey in there. It just What is that in English? I your wok heat no, air. Well, no, there's like um it's like that extra sear. Yeah. That extra sear. Yeah. Um, and if you want, you can even just toss in a couple other grains. Like, I didn't have that much rice, so I threw in some leftover quinoa. And guess what? That was big tasty, you know? Fried rice literally is anything you want it to be. You just throw in all your leftovers and fry it together with an egg or an egg substitute and your rice and some seasoning and you're good to go. I wouldn't say I put ketchup. I put a lot of garlic powder. I put a lot of fish sauce. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't really... Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't eat a lot of fried rice. Like, I just eat white rice a lot if I if I even do eat it, which is not as much nowadays. But yeah. See, my thing is, like, I hate eating leftover rice, and my roommates also just don't eat a lot of food, so I'll just <laughs> use it mm, in fried rice. Gotcha. Well, um, that's, that's our lifestyles for you. Yeah. No wonder I'm so bad at making fried rice. And we're going to move on then. We're going to blast through this last question. This last question was also another anonymous submission, and it is, what is British pudding? Okay. Now, this was in a conversation that I had with somebody, and then we were talking about the British Bake Off, and they had a question about, like, what exactly is pudding in Britain? Because, like, when they mention pudding, you generally know that it means, like, a sweet dessert. If you're in the U.S., yeah, if you're in the U.S. Like, even even on the British Bake Off, when they say pudding, it's just, like, normally a sweet dessert. But then, other times, it's just, like, something that's completely wacky and, like, out of left field, and it's, like, some salty thing. So we just really wanted to get down to the bottom of what pudding was. Yes. And according to uh, Vox.com, talking about, actually, the Great British Baking Show and the meaning of pudding, um, pudding means two different things in Britain. The first is, like, just a dessert or something sweet that you eat after dinner. Um, and it's mostly used by the elite, whereas, like, the, the proletariat would be using the words just, like, sweets. Um, the other thing that it means is that you cook something by boiling and seaming it in things like a cloth or animal intestines or pots. And this can be either sweet or savory. Uh, for example, early puddings were just, like, essentially, like, forms of sausage. Now they also refer to things that are that are, that are currently baked, but in the past they weren't cooked via baking. They were cooked by being steamed or boiled, but now they're baked. But, yeah, uh, basically dessert is... No, pudding. Is so, a, okay, here, I'll take it from here. Yeah. This is where my notes start. <laughs> yeah. So pudding is a dessert, but dessert isn't necessarily pudding. So kind of as Jamie said, if you're in the UK, if someone says nowadays, if someone says pudding, they are typically going to be talking about the after dinner treat. 
but regionally, it's got roots in being these commoner dishes. So things you've probably heard of, like spotted dick, which is a pudding. But hearing it, you would think like that's that's like not it. It's it's spotted dick is a shorthand version, shorthand of like an original dish, which is the steamed cake, and it's supposed to be quite delicious. Um, I kind of went down a pudding hole last night, and it was super intriguing. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's really cool. So sweet puddings can range from starch or dairy-based desserts. So like I said, like in the example of Spotted Dick, it's steamed cakes. But in the U.S., puddings are what British would call custards or gelatins, like jello. Um, so the word pudding, historically, comes from a Latin word, botellus, which literally means sausage. And also the French word boudin has the same root. And if you're Chinese, you would know boudin is how you would say pudding. Well, it's boating. Boating. Whatever. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, some people, they try to make it sound more like the English. Because uh, that's well, what I've Actually, no, in Mandarin, it's boudin, but then in Cantonese, Did I just mix it up? Boudin. I just mixed it up, didn't I? Yeah. Anyway, I'm close enough. I'm close enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, with those historical roots aside... Um, just know if you're in the UK, we appreciate you and all of your pudding, uh, assortments. And if in your US, this is just further proof that we're the, frustrating to yeah. everyone else in the world. But at least you've got some fun trivia now. Yeah. You're more worldly. And with that, our hotline segment is over. Moving on, we have our COVID. We're, we're going to talk about some food things in the time of COVID. We're going to keep it short. We've got um, indoor dining. Should you do it now that the weather's getting colder? And our short answer is no. Because, one, um, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and especially if you're in Lane County, Eugene, Oregon, Springfield, Oregon, you would know that the we're back on the watch list for the governor. Yeah. And after this past Halloween, where people were very much partying heavily in different oh, parts yeah. of the neighborhoods... Um, that we will probably see an increase in cases very, very soon. Probably by the time this episode is posted, there's going to be a spike. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So that's our, that's the first thing. The second thing is when you're eating indoors, you're going to be seated in an enclosed area for an extended period of time with your mask off because you're eating and you're probably talking to whoever you're eating with. Maybe even sharing food. Yeah. And you also don't know the other patrons, so you don't know if the other patrons, even though they come into the restaurant with the mask, you don't know if they've been very good about keeping that mask on and being socially distant. So we don't trust anyone. Yeah. So. And even if you're 10 feet away from them, circulation systems are a thing. Yeah. When you're talking, you're still spewing your droplets everywhere. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, it's true. I'm just yeah. saying, just hearing your, it's just seeing your expression just makes everything you say better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, short answer, we don't recommend it. If you really, really want to check to see if the restaurant is empty, you know, if you walk in and it's empty, I still say no, because there are people working in that pla- in that restaurant. But like, if you really, really want to. Do your best to lower the risk as much as possible. If you see a lot of groups in there, just order takeout, man. Honestly, I wouldn't even say don't even think about that. Like, I would say just 
avoid it entirely because with it being winter and it's going to be kind of like we mentioned last episode and if you didn't listen to it listen to it and come back um it's going to be cliff flu and cold season yeah if if not already because i know some people who are already getting sick from stress so it's going to be warm in those restaurants there's going to be potentially sick people from the flu the cold or covid you don't know so just eliminate that threat from your life entirely and just stay home don't forget to tip 20 percent. come on we're in a it's it's hard economy but those people are doing an essential service and stay safe wear your mask social distance yeah. please don't go in restaurants and eat inside yeah yes okay and moving on to my favorite name segment the hack of the fortnight <sighs> you know what's the worst part what I don't even play fortnite <laughs> i mean they, they Blizzard's I, okay. already making enough money they don't need us it's not to blizzard what are you talking about it's epic games fuck okay sorry Sorry to oh the gamers you're gonna, out there. You're gonna get games. I'm you're gonna, gonna get, get games cast again after come after us. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. Oh my okay. My bad. So, anyways, hack of the Fortnite meaning 14 days and not the game that is like going at war with all the app stores. Um, how to figure out if food has gone bad? We're gonna go through this really quickly, lightning round style. Yes. Because we got a lot to get through. First off, dairy. If it's curdling. Don't. Like, if you see lumps in your milk, don't don't drink it. If it smells sour, don't drink it. Don't just look at the expiration date. Just look at the ingredient itself. Yeah. Alright. What about veg, Juan? Veggies. Okay. Oh, I mean... <laughs> Dang oh. it, I slipped up. It only took to episode three. Yeah. Oh no, the cat's out of the bag. Oh I, no! I go by multiple names. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll just skim over that. Alright, what about veg, Jamie? Vegetables. Okay, if you got leafy greens, if they look soggy and wet, they're probably wilted. You don't want that. If you see any mold, any like fuzzy green, white, yellow spots, that don't look good, don't eat it, you know? If you really want to, cut those out, but usually if you see mold, it means that the mold has spread everywhere that you can't see. Um, For your starchy vegetables, just make sure that you look out for mold and any kind of squishy spots. For your leafy greens, we're looking for wilting, any kind of like mushy or sogginess. Generally, mushy and sogginess is kind of a bad sign. And if you get any kind of funky smell from it that you don't normally get from the vegetables, that's usually a good sign to toss it out. Um, It sucks to toss it out, but for your health, do it. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Fruit. So, if your fruit is along the same veins of vegetables, mushy, discolored beyond belief... If they're starting to smell, their color is dull, don't. It's it's just bad. Yeah. Um, very simple as that. Yep. Okay. And finally, pre-packed food. What yeah. are some of the common foods that yeah. you would say? I'd say... Like chips. Yeah, chips. I think, yeah, the chips and then like oils and any, like any heavily oil-based foods, they can go rancid really easily. Um, so things you want to look out for with that, it's a little trickier with those, because it's hard to tell, like, you won't necessarily see anything wrong with them, but you should definitely be able to smell it. So if you don't have a good sense of smell, try to get somebody else to help you out. If your food doesn't smell like what it normally does, it should either, you know, be neutral or nutty if it's a peanut butter or chip. like How it should smell. How it should smell, you know. <laughs> then that's, like, your first warning sign. But if it smells like paint, 
and that's also like with an undertone of like sourness to it, then that's a good sign that it's gone rancid and you do not want to eat rancid food. That is like your first way to just get really, really sick. And that is not something that we want, that we would wish on anybody at any time, but especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always, look out for mold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pre-packed food. What else? I mean, for for just general rule of thumb, if there's weird discoloration, if it smells funky, or if it's um, got something growing on it, just just throw it away. Yeah. We will preface this. Like, some things just do smell funky, but they're still okay. But to err on the side of caution, toss it. If you really want to Google it. You can. It's Google just a couple it, seconds. Know. Yeah. And with that, we've done the hack of the Fortnite. Moving on, we've got our favorite things from hashtag not sponsored. Where we wish we were sponsored, but we're not. Yeah. Okay. So, I think I can start. And this is going to come to a surprise if any of you know me personally, because I am going to freaking wholeheartedly recommend, if you are in Eugene, Oregon, to go to Duck Sushi. And if you know anything about Duck Sushi, it's, um, it's like right next to the Dairy Queen on 13th. Um, it kind of resides in the same, um, it's like the first floor of like an apartment building. Uh, very, you, you would very much easily miss it if you're not on foot or not already familiar with the neighborhood. They're a Korean owned sushi shop. But the thing is, I do not recommend that you get any of their sushi. Maybe their rolls. Maybe. I haven't tried them. But from advice of other people, if you see a Korean-owned sushi shop, you typically want to just get the Korean food that they're serving. Because anybody can really say and claim to be able to make sushi, but whether that's good sushi is another question. So if you're going to go to Duck Sushi, I highly recommend pick up some poke. There's only tuna and salmon. It sounds weird. I know. But it's it's under 10 bucks. The proportion and the amount of fish and seasonings, pretty good. I'm not going to say it's anything close to something traditional or authentic, but it it suffices as a decent meal that's under $10 or about $10. Also, get the Korean food. It's great. The kimbap, delicious. The different stews, wonderful. And with that, go to Duck Sushi, support a local business, don't forget to tip. Yeah. They're, they're just really trying out here. Don't don't get the sushi. Please don't get the sushi. If you do want sushi, this is going to be our um, <laughs> unrequested hashtag not sponsored, but Isekaya Jinsei. Oh, uh, yes. Literally down the street. It's so good. Oh, favorite. A they, little bit on the pricier side. They are. So worth it. So, so worth it. Yes. Yeah. Well, mine just doesn't sound as cool now that you've talked about duck sushi and... Hey, it's fine. Gotta balance it out next time. Okay. Well, my hashtag not sponsored item is a digital kitchen scale. (laughs) The look on your face. Sometimes I wish this was video just so your classic expressions could be captured. Yeah. I... Okay. (laughs) Here's the thing. I... I know the stress baking is going to be up a lot for me personally this month. Like, I already made a bunch of cookies yesterday. I know I'm going to be stress baking brownies during the election. Jamie brought me some cookies. 
before coming here. Whether or not they're good, you're gonna have to. Oh, they look delicious. Don't even say that. Anyway. Okay. Anyways, yeah, we're gonna be doing a lot of baking. But you know what's really not fun about baking is measuring things by volume because fuck that shit because it's inaccurate. Literally. <sighs> okay. Jamie's got steam coming out of their ears. I I brought measuring spoons. My roommate brought measuring spoons and they are all completely different from one another. She has like some random ass like metal ones, but then she also has some wooden ones, which I'm just definitely afraid to use because I feel like that's just messy and hard to clean and not super accurate to measure. That's so weird. I know. And they're like a little, like they're a little older. That's why. Oh, but still to bring them? Yeah, and I was it's like, pretty random. Uh, okay, if you want to use them, go ahead. But I'm gonna use my clearance rack Martha Stewart plastic Ayo! measuring spoons. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, like with the exception of vanilla and salt, <laughs> when you're using, like, when you're baking food, use a use a kitchen scale. Use most recipes that are worth their salt Ooh. will give you their 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 measurements of dry and wet ingredients by volume, but also by weight. Because the thing is with volume is that measuring cups vary vastly, not just with the, not just with measuring spoons, but also with measuring cups. And some people only have dry measuring cups. Some people only have liquid measuring cups. (laughs) And those two things are different. They are meant to measure different things. And even then there are inconsistencies and inaccuracies. With the digital kitchen scale, for the most part, your accuracy is going to go down to like uh, plus or minus 0.1 ounces or plus or minus 0.1 or 0.01 grams. That's wonderful. That's really, really great. It means that you're going to have more consistent baking. It means that if you want to tweak it, you have a lot more control with your recipe and how much more flour you want to add or how much you want to take out. Because instead of being like, oh, maybe I should take out like a teaspoon and maybe that teaspoon is actually like more like half a tablespoon. Um, You have actual measurable numbers by weight and it's just so much better. The things you want to look for in a good digital kitchen scale is one that can measure in different units. You want one that can measure in ounces and grams at the very least. And those should be accurate to at least 0.01 ounces or at least 0.1 grams. On top of that, you want something that has a tear function. A tear function means that if you put like a bowl on there, you can hit that tear button and it'll reset the weight to zero. So you can just measure things out to however much the recipe calls for without having to do the math to subtract like the weight of your bowl or the weight of your previous ingredients. And that way you can measure out your sugar, dump it in the bowl, get your weight, press the tear button, measure out your next sugar, measure out your flour, measure out your salt, your butter, and just put it all in the bowl together and whisk it together or however, or whatever your recipe calls for. It's just more accurate. It's more consistent and it's just better overall. And you'll get better and more consistent products and better experimentation and more control in your experimentation and your baking endeavors. (sighs) Oh yeah. Breathe, Jamie, breathe. And this is why between the two of us, you are the much more methodical and organized one. I don't think you should. I, I don't. When was the last time you saw me in the kitchen, though? I mean, from the sounds of it, because these people don't know you personally, most likely. Not super well. But, you know, from the sounds of it, Jamie is the more organized one. Let's just say that. And we'll keep it at that. For, I, for these for this dynamic to work very true <laughs> well let's just say i have my good days and my bad days and yes. with that that has been hashtag 
not sponsored. sponsored. Moving on, we have food and huge. As always, we're going to give you your food security resources. They're provided by the Dana students, uh, and it's all going to be in the episode description below. And if you want to hear us talk about them, you can just listen back to our prior two episodes for this exact same segment. Uh, Moving on. Jamie found some really awesome events, and I am very impressed by what you found. So, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Um, hold on. Okay, I, I can edit this part. Do you want me to start with the pop-up clinic, or should we skip over that? Um, if you feel like it's worth mentioning, but if there's not a lot of info... I mean, it's for the, what, the fourth? Uh, it says 2020 oh. 11-04. Shit, is it? I thought it was a different day. It's okay. Let's just skip it. Okay. Oh, it says every Wednesday six to three to six p.m. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can you can start that. I'll I'll yeah. look over the OG corner market. Okay. All right. So every Wednesday. Oh wait. Okay. Let me just mark the time here. Um. So I know where to start. Again. Okay. Um. Yeah. Every Wednesday, in under the Washington Jefferson Bridge, there is a pop up clinic and street outreach. So. If in the community, like if you need some kind of like community-based healthcare or community-based like help, that is always going to be there three to six p.m. every Wednesday under the Washington Jefferson Bridge. Fun, we love that. Um, so if you're looking for farm stands or farmers markets that aren't just the Eugene Saturday Market or the Eugene Farmers Market, you can hop over to the OG Corner Market, which is um, closed now, obviously. But it is 295 River Road. Um, they're just a little cute stop. Uh, sh- why did I talk like that? Shop. Um, you can, it looks like you can just get a bunch of fresh produce and walk around. And it's cute. Yeah. It's just a little farmer's market. Yeah. And there's also the Hideaway Bakery Farmer's Market. It's behind Maisie's Restaurant on 33rd and Amazon Road. <clears throat> their bakery products have produce from the South Eugene farm because we love local businesses that support other local businesses. Yeah. And on top of that, they also have a lot of local produce. So like fruits, veggies that are seasonal as well as like some really, really tasty, like baked goods and local, local prepared foods. Um, and I believe, sh- yeah. Hideaway actually sells to a lot of the local businesses, I believe. So it, you might, just remember that taste from having eaten out of the restaurants that serve bread yeah. and whatnot. Um, the most exciting thing is, I think, what you're going to say next. Yeah. So the weekend after Thanksgiving, if you're in the Eugene area or if you're in Lane County and you have access to transportation, it'd be super worth it to get out over to the Florence Chamber of Commerce for the Florence Cider, Cocoa, and Cookie Trail. We love the Chamber of Commerce. Just kidding. We don't know anything about them. <laughs> we, yeah. I just, I, I saw Cocoa Cookies and Cider and I said, yes. Um, yeah. So basically <clears throat> what you'll do is be able to just sample some local treats and it changes every day for the duration of this event. So check out their calendar. Again, all the links for these things will be in the description. Um, and specifically, you know, see what piques your interest yeah get it treat yourself yeah and in addition to that you'll be helping to just like you'll learn more about the local community that you're living in while you're here in eugene i mean florence it's it's in florence 
but you're you know, a stone's throw away. You're a, yeah, you're a stone's throw away, and you get to try out all of these cool and tasty warm treats while you're in a different part of Lane County, and you get to see a different part. And obviously, social distance, wear your mask, but also enjoy some tasty treats and on a, seeing on a cold people. Weekend. Yeah, from a safe distance. And finally. There's a really cool event if you happen to know people with young children. Or you yourself have them. Or you yourself have them in the Eugene area. The U of O's Museum of Cultural and Natural History hosts a monthly um, event for young children and their adults that take care of them or so, watch over so them. so awkward when you explain it like this. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um... This event is for preschool age children and their adults, and it's a virtual event, which is really cool. So if you have, if you have access to technology that lets you go online and participate in these kind of events, totally go for it. Um, basically, this uh, this activity in particular is a way for people to um, try out like cooking and learning more about foods that have been passed on through families. Um, I think there's not a ton of information about like which families and whatnot but like it's just a fun activity for young people um you can order kits online to like participate in the activity and you can pick up things for that starting on november 18th at the museum of cultural and natural history which is just right on campus um it's five dollars per kit if you are an ebt or an oregon trail card holder you can access some discounted kits as well um but yeah, it's fun things for young people that they can do that are mostly safe and virtual and online, but so engaging for uh, everybody involved, which is really cool of the natural and cultural, cultural and natural history. Yeah, cultural and natural history <laughs> museum. What um, a mouthful. Yeah, like the fact that they're still able to like engage with the local community. I think that's just really, really neat. Yeah, and especially that this month that just happens to be about food is perfect for us, but every month they'll have something new. Yeah. So even if you are not interested in this month's for your you and your kiddo, maybe next month. Yeah, there's always something cool going on with the Museum of Cultural and Natural History as well. Not saying this as an anth major trying to plug a really cool spot on campus. Oh, uh, you totally are. <laughs> and with that, we've reached the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to us talk for way too long about cinnamon. <laughs> And I mean, sweet. It was fun. They're here for us. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Jamie. And I'm Em. You can find me at, uh, at, <laughs> J- at, at JDeep2, that's J-D-I-E-P, the number two, on Twitter, or at DeepFryFam on Instagram. Yes, and you can find me on Twitter as well, at CatchUpToEmily, or you can find me on Instagram at SigFanMay, period, ah, um, don't worry about the spelling. Just go to the description, click on those links, yeah. um, or my blog, which is accessible by both of those links. Yeah. And you can always email us any questions at uh, foodfumblehotline at gmail.com, or you can fill out the form that we have on the bit.ly link below. Share the link with your friends. If you know somebody in your life that is struggling with their cooking, send them our way. We're more than happy to help. Please ask us questions. Please. I mean, or if you want to just if you ch- have, test us, even. Yeah. Just throw the best yeah. of whatever you can ask. 
the holidays are coming up, the cooking is gonna get wild, you know? It's always, I, I love a challenge, I love trying out different things. If you have a recipe you want us to test out, yes. do it, send it our way. We should probably put a part of the form to have that, too, if people want to submit that. Oh, yeah. Well, It'll... anyway, changes to the form will be there soon. Ask your questions, submit your recipes, reach out to us just because you think we're cool, or maybe you want us to do something else. We're open to it all. We're open to everything. We want it all. Yeah. So, so in the meantime, stay safe. Happy cooking. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.